Welcome to the show where we unearth new ways of looking at ever-evolving life around the world, seen from a number of different industries, cultures, and backgrounds. But there's one thing that unites everyone I speak to. They all want to do their part to make the world better in their own unique ways. It's a uniting passion. Whether they're from the commercial world, third sector, or public sector, from the global north or the global south, my name is Philippa White, and welcome to Thai Unearthed. Hello, and welcome to episode 62 of Thai Unearthed. Now, last week, I had to reschedule a meeting. It happens to all of us, doesn't it? But this meeting and the reason for the rescheduling just felt different. I was meeting with a woman who works as a psychotherapist in Iraq, supporting people who have been traumatized by ISIS violence. We had to push the meeting back a little bit later as the woman I was meeting with got stuck in traffic, returning from a refugee camp. The conversation left me so reflective. Talking to people in other places is so important. Perspective is such an incredible thing and conversations like this just bring us all closer together. So it was an absolute honor to have spoken with Asma again today on Thai Unearthed. Asma Ibrahim is co-head of Trauma Care and Health at Jayan Foundation for Human Rights and assistant lecturer at the Institute for Psychotherapy and Psychotraumatology at the University of Dahok in the Kurdistan region of Northern Iraq. She was one of the first to graduate from the master's degree program at the Institute for Psychotherapy and Psychotraumatology in Dahok. And after graduating, she began to work in Jayan Foundation's women's clinic. Today, Asma talks about what happened to the women and children in 2014 at the hands of ISIS, how this trauma now manifests, and how she treats them at the women's clinic. We also talk about how ISIS radicalized children over the years and how she and Jayan Foundation will be supporting the formerly militarized children and youth and helping them reintegrate into society. And she gives us a brief window into the life in Iraq. And we talk about the culture and she explains her anguish, but also her hope. There's so much here. So grab that favorite beverage or throw on those running shoes. And here's the inspiring Asma. Hello, Asma. Thank you so much for joining us. It's really, really wonderful to have you here with us today. Thank you. Hi, thanks for having me. It's a pleasure. So tell us, where are you right now? Yeah, right now I'm sitting in um, a small room in a, a dorm, I can say, that is specialized for the uh, lecturer in the University of Duhok. Wow. Okay. Yeah. And perhaps you can tell us a little bit about your your background. So are you from there? No, actually, I'm from uh, Suleimania Governorate in Kurdistan and Kurdistan region of Iraq. And uh, yeah, I am here for uh, work. For I'm lecturer in the University of Duhok uh, for the Institute of Psychotherapy and Psychotraumatology and also working in Jian Foundation Duhok branch. So yeah. tell us a little bit about you and just, I mean, you haven't always been a psychotherapist. So tell us a little bit about you growing up and just, yeah, a little bit about your background. I was born in a, in a small town near Suleimania city and uh, I finished a uh, whole school years there and I finished a bachelor degree in uh, Koya University, that is another 
city in Kurdistan. I actually kind of live in uh, <laughs> many cities around Kurdistan mm -hmm. and I also applied for uh, this master program in Duhok University and I accepted and I finished and I now I'm working there. Yeah, that was the journey and now I am a PhD student in the same field. Perhaps you can tell us why you got into psychotherapy. So what's the story there? While I was in the um, high school, uh, I was watching a TV show that was first TV show for psychological um, issues, we can say. I have seven siblings wow. and yeah, we were kind of 10 uh, family members and you know in the family members there's a uh, positive sides and negative sides of course this show really um, got my attention and um, that was the first point that I could find my interest in psychology that was um, people can call that show and talk about the problems that they have the host of the tv show were answering and I was kind of interested in the answers and I would like to have <laughs> something like that or just have the speciality to help people yeah. and i quite small at that age and the system here is not like you can choose whatever you want you you only apply and you will get a department based on your grade and Fortunately, I got the clinical psychology at Koya University. I was really happy to have that department and finish that. And I was one of the top students there. Yeah, I, I started my first job with Jian, the women clinic, after finishing the bachelor. And there I faced difficulties in um, experiencing psychotherapy there because we are really junior and the clients have really difficult situations. Yeah. And that's why I decided to to grab the, the first opportunity to just um, get the master's degree and learn more about that. And hopefully I got the scholarship in Duhok University. That was a joint program between the University of Tübingen and the University of Duhok. And we were staying there and studying there here. And yeah, it was the first time to move on to Duhok and being familiar with it. And it is a really nice city surrounded by mountains like Suleymaniya. <laughs> they are similar in that point. Yeah, nice, nice. Uh, they are, um, the dialect is different. Dialect of Suleymaniya Sorani and uh, Kurmanji is for Duhok. And it was one of the challenges that I faced God, yeah, wow. of moving here and learning it. <laughs> because you're also talking about really important issues and things to get lost in translation both you communicating but also other people communicating that must have been hard on a personal level what do you do in your spare time when you're not working yeah um beside going out i like meditation i would do it whenever i have a, a little bit of time <laughs> just five minutes i like it and uh, sometimes without anything to listen but sometimes it is really, I like to, to have a guidance. Yeah, I listen to something and just follow it. It is really one of the things that has um, calmed me down. Wow, that's really important. And how long, do, I mean, you said it could be five minutes, but how long do you sometimes go for if you're meditating? 20, 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. With the longest would be 30, but it, was, yeah. it would be too long. <laughs> <laughs> but you're almost sleeping. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
Perhaps before we get into some of the more meaty questions that I have for you, obviously about the Women's Center and, and the other work that you're doing, I think for our listeners, can you give us a little bit of context on the history in Iraq? You know, why is there so much trauma? Can you help us understand the culture? Yeah, um, actually, one of the first descriptions that I can say, uh, this area is kind of conflicted area and this can be described like that. And it is the reality, actually. It's the decades and more than more than 100 years of uh, wars and conflict and crisis. It is internally and also with the external parties. There is too many traumatic events happen to the people inside those events that happened in the, I mean, during war, after that. And also there's the one war is not finished, one of, one of, another one just started. And it is really, really kind of serious, if series of traumatic events kind of not impact the generation that is uh, experiencing the trauma. It's kind of experience, it, it will be transferred to the generation that is not born yet in a direct and indirect way. Because when the person change in the, uh, we can say the upbringing, the children also will be changed. It, it will impact on the every aspect of that uh, community and the area uh, altogether. And we know that the uh, recent one was the ISIS war that came here and invaded uh, so many cities and areas. Sinjar was one of those areas that invaded by ISIS in 2014. Was, yeah, 2014. I wanted to ask you the date. exactly. Yeah, yeah, the August uh, 2014 that was started from Syria 2011 and so many refugees came from there to here. With the, I mean, the fear is with them and is kind of follow them here as well. And including uh, Sinjar and, and the areas around, we know that it was really kind of different, different war. It was really systematic and brutal for the, for the people that experienced actually, especially Yazidis and the minorities in general. Christian and they were those who were not um, Muslim. And we know that this it is not the real Islam that they were claiming for, but it's known as that. Till now and could be 10 years later, we, we cannot fix that. We cannot heal from these traumatic events. Can you just help us understand, you know, in this context, but also in the day to day, just a little bit of understanding about women and the culture there? Yeah, uh, as you may already know that we can say a collective society and we are more focusing on having families and you cannot go out from that family if, I mean, even if it is a horrible things happen, you should stick to the family and it is, uh, we can say, um, long-term induced beliefs that if it could be from the religion and also the culture together and you know we know that religion also uh, can create culturals of course, if, of course. Um, yeah there is peoples that they were not muslim but they were stick to the, the cultural that came from the islam or the other religions you know the exclusion is a quite a, a big thing in a, in a collective society, especially in, in everywhere, but collective society in, in particular. And um, also one of the things that is 
really um, we can say affect the, that uh, the, the psychotherapy in general also it is a stigma stigma and shame and shame is a big part of that stigma that that would be my phd project about shame because it is really kind of important topic here that uh, you cannot go therapy because of that uh, and the woman here now it's gonna be kind of change here especially in Kurdistan region of Iraq we know that currently it is a, a praising in Iran the Kurdistan part of Iran we are saying East Kurdistan yeah. Um, yeah there's a praising because of the one of the, the women Kurdish women they're killed by the government of Iran. They are so kind of protesting, protesting the, the words that they are playing for, or they are uh, repeating that women, life and freedom. Yeah, because they were forced to be hijab, covered, yeah. head, yeah. I mean covered head yeah. and body. It's not like that here in this surface, but uh, we still have the problem of killing women in the uh, cities and also the area around it, the, the far, far from the cities, the rural area, we can say, I think. Yeah. Uh, yeah. There is killing and also uh, shaming women for doing something and blaming her. And there is all of those kind of problems. Uh, and yeah, there is still in those uh, kind of rural area, there is female circumcision, if I'm not wrong about the female word. Circumcision. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, it's kind of, it's kind of uh, stopped for, by law, but it is there because there is a belief that they should do that. It's interesting, isn't it, when you reflect on culture? I mean, culture is a funny word because obviously on the face of it, if you say to somebody, you know, oh, this is, you know, I love culture. I love learning about different cultures, you know, and so, but, but, you know, there's a lot that's intertwined in that. That's artisans, there's food, you know, you can have the beautiful part of cultures, but then there's customs and then there's oppressions and then there's forced ways of living based on a culture that has always happened. And because it's a culture, sometimes it's hard to fight against it because that's just what we do. Right. But as a result, particularly women in many places around the world, you know, corporate culture. I mean, this isn't just in places like Iraq, you know, in the U.S. It's culture that can, it's dangerous. And I think yeah. it's um, people like you actually in the area that you're working, helping open people's eyes to, doesn't have to be like that. And how can we, you know, slowly, slowly, slowly change things right yeah in uh, actually there is something that's really totally normal for males but if, if the female do that no it is the end of the world yeah. of course and of course. actually there was another question in, in in another interview to me that do you like to have uh, this position in in your foundation that you were ahead of a program uh i said um I am proud of that, but I shouldn't be surprised or just proud of because I am a woman of having and having that position. Right. It is, I am a human, like a man to have that. That should not surprise me and proud. I shouldn't proud of only because I'm a woman. I have that. No, I should uh, focus on my quality. What, what was right. made me to deserve that and not exactly not just because you're a woman, unfortunately, with any kind of system it takes takes time doesn't it but i think it the short-term goals and the long-term goals right so it's sort of every day you're working towards something it is it is changing 
It just sometimes takes yeah. a bit longer than what we would like. Now, you, you touched on it a little bit, but maybe there's a little bit more that you want to say. Just I asked you how you got involved with Jayan, and you said that it was one of your first jobs, actually, and that's what opened your eyes to this world of psychotherapy and something that you wanted to immerse yourself in a little bit more. So I, I did understand that. But is there anything else that you'd like to say about that relationship? Because I would really like to understand about the women's clinic specifically, but I just don't know if there's something that you would like to say about your involvement with Jayan and maybe how that relationship's grown. Yeah, maybe you can imagine about that the junior graduates. I was one of the, those that was really excited to start work, to implement those in knowledge that I got from university and I was so excited with my friends and we were accepted in the women clinic and it was kind of background for us that we couldn't understand what would be or how would be the work because it was one of the first clinic in patient clinic in Iraq and we can say the Middle East that is kind of specialized for the Yazidi women and children in 2015. It means one year after the, the war that happened. Yeah. Along that year was intense work to, to just implement it, to just open that clinic. Yeah, before starting the work, uh, it is right that we had intense trainings. It's also knowledge, but in, on the ground, it is something different, you know? And we had on-call nights that we were staying in, in, at night uh, on our schedule there uh, to not let them alone. And there were really difficult, traumatized uh, cases. Yeah, one of them is really kind of touched me and I cannot forget it. Uh, there was, uh, they were uh, groups of clients that were uh, visiting the clinic because the clinic is in a city that near Suleymaniyah. The name is Cham Chamal. The clients were, yeah, were in camps around Duho and we uh, transferred them by bus and uh, they were groups of patients and, and clients, we are almost using the client word to the clinic and then yeah, transferring back to the Duhok and they were staying there for one month and then coming back to yes. Duhok and continuing psychotherapy sessions here because we have center here, the main center and also the mobile teams for the camps as well, depending on the client's necessities how it would be, they would be continuing at camp or in the main center. <laughs> the first group that we had in clinic, we were juniors in the first one, listening to the difficult stories. They were really difficult stories, how they were separated from each other, how they were the, the men killed in front of them and separated from the child. And that case that I wanted to talk about was the pregnant woman at that time. and. She had the children with the child, with her, and she was talking about her life with her uh, eyes full of tears that she said, I was got married for only six months and I was two months pregnant and I were separated from my husband like, like that, by force. They were hand in hand, holding hands. They were forcing them to separate them and... Just imagine that uh, that situation, how it could be with a two two month pregnancy, and he got uh, he got birth uh, with with ISIS, with in a in a horrible situation, and they could find a way to escape, but it was all traumatic events. It we can say at once, not not uh, in a month or a, no. It, it they could see 
many traumatic events in just one hour or less. It was one of them that they were captured. There was a patient that they were not captured, but they were also traumatized based only by, we can say, seeing them or hearing the, the news that ISIS is coming and also escaping to the Sinjar mountain and staying there in a, we can say, under heat, cold, and hunger, thirstiness. With children? Oh, my God. Yeah, they, they were people that really just left their children. They cannot... They cannot just um, hug them, just hanging them. There were really horrible stories. They're not only stories, they were real life. That woman who was pregnant, did she get reunited with her husband? No, no. After some time, she heard that he were killed. He was killed by ISIS. And it is really, really difficult to not having a body to bury, just lost with a, with a doubt that they may be alive. Because yeah. you cannot, you cannot believe just if you can imagine, you cannot believe without a body, just they were died. And it is really difficult. With regards to the women clinic, can you help us understand a little bit about trauma? You know, how do people react to trauma? What does treatment look like? What do symptoms look like? If we talk about the traumatic trauma, it, we can say it is a wound that would be created in you after uh, suffering with a traumatic event and it's with, it will create a wound and something that hurts you and the symptoms could be uh, one of the first ones would be the uh, re-experiencing that event you can say uh, it will not leave you <laughs> it will be with you in your dreams in your daily life it's only searching for a uh, for a hole to just get you and we can say a trigger there could be something that you can see or it could be a memory that you had during the event it will trigger you and remember you remind you the, the event and give you the same uh, emotions that you had at that time and the other one could be avoidance and you you may avoid all of the people or things uh, that will remind you the event just to to get rid of that re-experiencing we can say and there would be many more changes with the main one we can say that your beliefs it will change your belief system the core beliefs that you had for example someone who was really religious after the, the after that war we can say the isis war they will be they will touching that for example hating god for why me why will why it will why it was happened to me and you it is not fair and there is those beliefs will be touched and switched and altered. There would be other uh, other uh, symptoms that was impacting your daily routine: sleeping, eating, your going out. We can say every activity. What are some of the? What do you do with mm -hmm. these women? What are some examples of the things that you do to try and treat someone who's been through something that's so? Traumatic. We need, we can say, as a healing program altogether, especially yeah. for those yeah. women that were staying there for a while. There is clients staying there for three years or four years. And it's really long time to be in a fight flight, we can say, situation. Yeah. Every time you are in that, your body and your mind in that situation. And we need a, a really kind of holistic program. And we are trying to implement that in women that maybe it is difficult to implement it in an outpatient clinic 
that we are only our tools could be uh, an individual session or a group session and then, then the client will go back to home yeah. but in the holistic approach we can say every aspect will be under our control <laughs> because the she will be with us and we will be with them 24 7 we can say the, the first thing that would be the, the implementing the rules that would be in that building for sleeping time and eating time and the scheduling the, the the whole day all scheduled no no staying in bed for long <laughs> and uh, the morning exercises that would be totally new for them new life and um, also individual session and also group sessions at the beginning especially for educating them giving a psychoeducation about those symptoms that you have totally normal for experiencing those kind of events and uh, giving them at the beginning to that a kind of control kind of control that they are they lost that control that I, what happened to me and why I am like that. Just answering that question, why I'm like that, why I'm reacting like that could be the best uh, basics for doing uh, in the individual sessions and trying to confront them with the event. We are having trainings for our staffs, and this is the, one of them is traumatology training that is kind of providing a technique that called crest model, teaching the, the staffs how to do that with the clients. And they can, they can do that. I mean, mainly in the women clinic, it's kind of stabilizing program that is till now it, it is implementing there that trying to stabilize the client before confrontation. And you know, one month they will not be enough with our mindset that developed the, the program. We have other mindsets now, but we are trying to develop another program to assist the stabilization. And there is new approach that could um, really help in a, in a short term of time. That one of them is that I learned from in my master studying. That is imaginary scripting. It doesn't need to re-experience or re-confront to the same events. No, you can change it well, yeah, well. to whatever you want. It is really a nice technique that I, I am yeah. in love with it. <laughs> it could heal you one of your events in just two sessions. Uh, it is you are imagining the the event until you are going to the the hotspot. We can yeah. say the the yeah the the most horrible moment. And at that moment, you will change it to an event that you needed to happen at that time. <laughs> and it is the most interesting part because you couldn't do what you needed at that time because you were a child, for example. You were a child, a helpless child, where you were under a gun. You couldn't do it. If you did, you were killed. And you will do it in your imagination. You will do everything to that person or to anything you needed. Now I'm in love with that. Um, wow. And do people write it or do they just think it? Only imagining. And they need to do it as a homework every day to do the same thing that they think they need it and they, they can change it during the uh, continuing imagination. If they think they needed something else, they can add it. It's imagination. <laughs> it's really powerful because if I, the, uh, because it, it, it used the power of imagination and you, we are an expert of that. I mean, it is really important thing in us. 
If I am talking about a, a lime, a lemon, your mouth is watering. If I'm talking yes. about it in detail. <laughs> yeah. Or even just saying it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because your mind is imagining eating it. There is other ways. For example, narrative exposure therapy. It is evidence-based. It is the first line for traumatic events and traumatic uh, work. And uh, it is narrating it. The most part that I love about narrative exposure is the lifeline. I, I can suggest and recommend to do it for every a patient, even if you didn't use narrative exposure therapy for them, um, you are um, lying in, I mean, putting a, a rope, for example, um, a metaphor for your lifetime, and putting a, a, a stone for the traumatic events and a flower for the positive event, not, uh, not uh, forgetting the positive ones, and the flower and the candle for lose, if you lo lost someone or lost something. And the stick sticks for those events that you were feeling guilty and you were the, the, the reason of, of hurting someone or something. And the patient most of the time says, oh, I have positive events in my life. I didn't know that. I don't remember it. <laughs> it's a kind of yeah. thing. It's to be able to visualize it, isn't it? Yeah. For preparing the client to, to facing a stone, we start with the flower, choosing a flower and and talk about it in detail and feel yeah. it and there's a cycle that the therapist is following it for yeah. each uh, point of the event and then for the next session you will be continuing with the traumatic events narrating it and writing it the therapist or assistant will write uh, every detail and the patient should uh, review it and like a homework at home yeah Really interesting. Obviously, the women's clinic is a big part of the work at Jayanne, and it's obviously incredibly, incredibly important. I also learned about the other work that you do, which I just, I find just really important as well. If I'm not mistaken, I think, it, I don't know if it's something you are doing or if it's something you are planning to do. It's the work with the militarized youth. And when we were speaking on the phone the other day, you mentioned that a journalist that found a book in Mosul. Mm -hmm. And I feel for our listeners, for you to explain this work that you're doing with the militarized youth, I feel explaining this book brings it to life in a way that is quite shocking and I think it's important to just help people understand what happened in 2014 and what happened with these kids. Yeah, uh, yeah, you are right. I mentioned that it would be one of the, uh, the projects that we will work on, those yeah. militarized youth that was uh, cap captured with their families in 2014 and separating them and especially those who are from uh, five or older, they were having a, a really systematic uh, schooling. For example, uh, the five-year-old uh, and six-year-old that they should be in, in first grade or in preschool or in kindergarten, they had their own educational system for them. That one of the, those books that I watched, in, it was uh, math. One of them was math that is um, kind of uh, programmed for normalizing the crime and an aggressiveness toward the other religion uh, that they are not Muslim, uh, everyone that is against Muslim or they were not having any uh, any religion. Uh, what they wrote in that book was not apple plus apple that we we expected to see for a child. It was a bullet plus a bullet that was equal to bullets. And it was all of the lectures uh, designed that way. For example, uh, when they, they uh, wrote 
to 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 teach them a, a clock. It was on a on a bomb, and all of it like E K A equals A K forty seven B bullet K kill yeah. D yeah dead. and but, yeah exactly the the one you mentioned it was the uh, the alphabet alphabetic that they were to uh, teach them in English uh, A for A K for uh, B for blast C for crime and D for dead it is all uh, kind of designed to to brainwashing them and normalizing the aggressiveness and kind of um kind of planting that belief that if you killed non-muslim people you will you will go to heaven and you will be rewarded there and if you don't do that you will go to hell and you will be burned there and kind of if i'm doing that i will be a good person <laughs> and god will be uh, accept me and those planting those kind of beliefs and brainwashing you, them and you said that these young people some of them even went as far as killing their parents yes yeah um it was uh, six years old in the video that were shown because those videos are all published by isis and they were having their platform to to publish that and uh, forced and we can say uh, convinced to kill them because you have the right to kill even if it is your your relative because they were nuns they are they are non-believers you have the right to kill them talk to us about the work that you're planning to do with with the militarized youth you know why is it so important touching on the stigma against providing care for former child soldiers because they were educated by isis you know what what does it mean to be de-radicalized is it possible what are these young people who are now i think 15 to 25 now so it's about getting them reintegrated into society but society obviously is scared they're probably probably don't know how to integrate i mean what does this look like and what will you be doing actually uh, the the thing that you mentioned about the um kind of society take guard of them that's to to just uh, keep themselves away from them it is one of the, the really big challenge because they were seeing them as a the criminal yeah uh, because they expect that they did something there they killed someone there maybe some of them didn't do that but you can say the prediction the, the understandings like that and uh one of the thing that we want to do that not picking them up not having the right information that he is in that house having that kind of problem what they were militarized no it was not our target we are doing uh we can say socializing activities to make them come to us and then the targeting those who are interesting in that work for example one of the activities is um dedicating to boss that is going around and staying for an hour or two in each camp one of them is for entertaining the child and one of them is it uh, it boss we are naming it it boss that is for a uh, we can say a um older children yeah. and youth we can say yeah to teach them how to use computer to how to make cvs for example how to use microsoft applications and yeah those kind of it related words to make something that they can interest it and kind of having the space to open up yeah yeah and not going house by house or tent by yeah. tent to search for them no it is not our our aim to to stigmatize them 
and yeah. shame them about that because you know comes into and small areas where the talk is kind of <laughs> kind of spread it out easily and if you go somewhere or the all the whole camp will know that <laughs> and we oh, that's kinda... interesting so it's a it's a program that internally you know what it is but externally they won't know that it's specific that's the target that's fine. yeah 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 we smart. hope so that's which smart. would be like that. <laughs> yeah 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 that's really interesting Mm-hmm. And when do you mm-hmm. plan to start that? Uh, start from July this year. Okay. Started, but it is kind of, you know, that the beginning is planning and kind of implementing. We have the stuff and still we have some more stuff to do that. And we are kind of hiring them and uh, we bow to the bus and the painting is still, uh, still didn't do, but we will do that. It kind of made it make it interesting. Yeah. and visible not kind of yeah. regular boss but there will be painting and something like that <laughs> now we're coming to the end of the podcast uh but i did want to just ask you two more questions one what gives you hope and then what keeps you up at night mm-hmm. yeah actually one of the things that giving me hope is doing these works yeah. <laughs> that we are doing right now and kind of recently the NGOs and the people are more aware of the, the, the subject. And we hope that the stigma is becoming less and less. There is still, but it is kind of better than before. And doing these works really give me hope to make the world, as you say, a better place. Yeah, yeah. And what keeps you up at night? Yeah, actually, one of the things that is um, concerning me is like a nationality of Kurdistan, we are lost, kind of lost in a world, in the big world, because it's kind of, we are named a minority, but you know, I have the idea that, um, it is the oppressed who makes the oppressor, not the other way around. And we need to work on ourselves like Kurds to not feel we are a victim, you know? And unless we have that one, that idea or that belief, there always would be an oppressor to just oppress us. Oh, that's really, really, really telling. And it's very strong. It's true in everything, actually. Yeah, and recently, it's kind of of one, two years that I am am really into self-awareness and I one of my lecture at uh, university is that self-awareness lecture personal experience and self-experience the name is and how it is important to to be aware about ourselves and to know why I am thinking like that and you know the first question would be what what is my thinking what is my beliefs what's the thing that I have and the next step we can say the self-reflection why i am like that why i have that belief and i believe most of the if it is not all most of our beliefs is just created uh, during our childhood and i and always say that the folders is created there the other things that i we are experienced it's only the files went to that folders yeah. I almost think that there's maybe a third question. What is my worth? Mm-hmm. But I mean, it's, you need to know who you are. You need to know what your beliefs are. You need to know, you need to know yourself. Yeah, because yeah. then you know what your worth is. What, what, yeah. what, because then to your point, it's a lot more difficult for an oppressor. Yeah, because course. if you know, if you know that 
core. God, your work is very important. Now, is there anything that I haven't asked you that you'd like to tell our listeners? Please, I I recommend to do self-awareness and self-reflection. It is something that we are coming for it, coming to, to do it. And then, as you mentioned, finding the worth. And it would be, what what will I need to do to make the world a better place? <laughs> it's kind of exactly. kind of simply that thing. <laughs> Yeah, so easy, <laughs> but it's true. But I, it, but that's just it. Taking that time, giving yourself that space, Absolutely. and I, and I, you know, just I think just reflecting on the the group work that you were talking about, and obviously in the context of real trauma, you know, of course, it's very easy, I think, for people to feel like I'm the only one who's going through this. But I think on a on a macro level of many other people, ever like so many people listening, even it's if you're feeling however you're feeling, you're probably not the only one. You know, also just now in this this moment in the world, there's a lot going on. There's just a lot for us all to get our heads around. You know, economy, politics, climate change. You know, there's just so much happening and it's just a lot for us all to get. So you're probably not the only one who's questioning things, who's worried about things. You know, let's talk about it. Find people to talk about it. Do these exercises. Reflect. Give yourself that space and that time. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Really, really being important. yeah, being alone with yourself and enjoy it. When yeah. when you yeah, when you came to that point, it means you found you found something. Yeah. <laughs> Such an amazing conversation, Asma. Thank you so much for your time. I really really enjoyed this. Thank you. Your work is very important, and the work of Jayan obviously is just really really important so it's great to get this out there you're welcome and also thank you i didn't think i would have that conversation like that it was really interesting (laughs) (laughs) thank you so much until next time hey everyone this is philippa again i hope you enjoyed listening now this is your chance to get involved with thai If you work in the commercial world, whatever your profession, your position, or your experience, then Thai could be for you. You may have been in business for decades, but have always felt there's another way. Or you may just have a few years experience, but want to do more. Equally, if you want to create game-changing employees and see your company impact the world, we've got you covered. Thai has never been more necessary than right now, and you can be a part of it. Reach out to me at philippa at theinternationalexchange.co.uk and I can tell you more. Or join the Thai Accelerator info session for more information. Apply.thaiaccelerator.com. Better leaders, better companies, better world. I'm your host, Philippa White. This podcast has been co-produced by Berna Vieira and me. Music by Berna Vieira and artwork by Kelps Fahais. I hope we'll meet again soon.